0: I want to break these into two types of religion. I just want to make this clear through illustration and some other things. Number one, let me say this the Bible would give us a picture of a way to get right with God, to be bound with God. That's what religion means, to be in this connection with God. And the Bible would say there's a kind of religion that we need to understand is humanly constructed. Specifically, there are people speculating about God in the afterlife. It is, as I often say, in terms of a choice that I hope that you do not choose about the Bible, that the Bible is man's best thoughts about God. Well, I'm saying, well, that's not the case. It's God's, God's mind on paper. Well, man's best thoughts about God, what you have if you have that as a true statement about a religious system is you have a humanly constructed religion. They're sitting down and musing on and thinking about and speculating on and guessing about what God is, what the afterlife is, what heaven should be, as I just said about Hinduism and Buddhism as well. The Bible says there's lots of those options out there, as Colossians 2.23 says. They might have the appearance of wisdom, and they promote really what is nothing other than, it's a good phrase, self-made religion. It's a kind of self-made way for me to get connected with God, and they do it through things that make them seem to be so wise, like asceticism, severity of the body, but there really no value In stopping the indulgence of the flesh, which is a real concern in Colossians, he ramps up into chapter 3, but the point is real conversion, really solving the problem of sin, not just in terms of my judicial standing with God, but my practice, all of that is not helped by a man-made, self-made religion. That's a self-made religion and that people are giving their best thoughts and speculations about God. And it looks really impressive. You go to some foreign country, you see the monks walking around in their saffron robes, and you say, well, that's really devout. Look at what they do, and they're praying all the time and lighting candles, and it seems very religious. And some that deny themselves, and they fast, and they do all these things, you think, well, that seems like a, a really noble thing, and they seem very sincere about it. But the Bible would say it falls into the category if it's not the kind of religion we're about to look at, into a humanly constructed religion that's a lot of human speculation about God in the afterlife. Sadly, and, and I don't, I mean, you just need to keep this in view. How we c- communicate this, I think, needs to be judicially done in your conversations. But you need to know what going into your conversations about the exclusivity of Christianity with non-Christians. And that is that these religious systems, all the way back to the very beginning, the Bible would say are aided by God's spiritual enemies. God has a entire class of beings that were split, uh, not quite in half, of people that have rebelled. I say people because they have intellect, emotion, and will, though they're not encased or enmeshed in human, tactile, objective, corporeal physicality. These angelic beings, they are now working, the Bible would tell us, to pull people away from the answer that God is giving us to their ultimate problem of sin. Matter of fact, they were part of the temptation. They weren't just part of it, they were the source of the temptation in the garden. But they are constantly out there, according to the Bible, all the way back to Leviticus, in giving us uh, a sense that they're at work to promote this kind of humanly constructed religion. For instance, in Leviticus 17, verse seven, there was a kind of idolatry going on in that day. Um, and it lasted for a long time, of worshiping uh, a goat. And this was part of the uh, religion of the people of ancient Mesopotamia and um, the ancient Near East, I guess, more broadly. Leviticus 7.17 is an interesting little phrase here in the middle of this discussion, talking about the fact that they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons after whom they whore. It's an interesting statement. There's a real God. You should be devoted to him. You should find your life and your forgiveness and your sustenance in him. He's laid out his rules, and there's people out there whoring. That's the picture, right? Committing spiritual adultery, going after this idolatry of the the goat. And he's saying, as he adds this phrase, they're goat demons. There's something demonic about this that draws people uh, away from the truth of solving our problem with God through what God has revealed to us. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. And these are things, even as it says later, they have an appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. And the point is that these are motivated, aided by, prompted by, fueled by demonic spirits. doesn't mean that every false religion is... Involved in the dark side of what we would see as the gratuitous darkness of Satanism. We dealt with that in a past compass night. We talked about that as a specific brand of rebellion against God, but it's a narrow band because it's it grates against the natural theology and the natural revelation that most of us feel. We think you ought to be into something good. You're not signing up just you know, randomly to follow Anton LaVey or the Church of Satan or, or what have you. Um, so, but yet the Bible says even the good looking religions are um, pulling people away from the truth, and behind it is something, as I put it, a religious system humanly constructed but aided by spiritual enemies of God. Interesting little phrase here. It's to do a word study on it, it's, it's the only reference we have of it in the New Testament. So it's only once in the New Testament, but it's a word here that's translated in most English translations, bewitched. Speaking of people that have looked at the biblical Christianity of substitutionary atonement and trusting in Christ alone for salvation, and these people now are putting their own self-styled spin on it. Uh, the Bible calls that iniquity. They take the truth and they twist it, and they say, well, we're gonna do it this way. Right? As, as Peter said later, it's like taking the truths of what Paul wrote, and they twist it to their own destruction, and he uses this word, who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell, an evil spell on you to believe this? Well, these are human beings teaching it. They talk about God. They talk about Christ. They talk about salvation. They talk about heaven. They talk about all these things that Paul is preaching. It, but he says, well, there's something spiritually dark about this. I guess the passage you may have thought of first is 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Oh, maybe it's not. I don't know. But when you speak of evangelism in 2 Corinthians 4, the goal is to see people's eyes recognize the glory of God in Christ, and we want to give them that solution, as he's going to say in the next chapter, chapter 5, that is going to reconcile them to God. We want to plead with them to reconcile to God. Well, the problem with the people we're sharing with, it says that the God of this world has, there's an active verb here, blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ Christ who is the image of God. So they reject Christ, and the text here says that there is a spiritual element to it. God of this world, small g, we're talking about Satan, the devil, taking people's minds and preventing them, working actively to prevent them. Well, it's not that he's making them non-religious. Most people are intuitively religious, and they are by nature religious beings, and there's lots of options for you, lots of religions out there, but if they are not the biblical religion, if they're not the God's revealed religion, well then they're self-constructed, but they're not constructed simply by men sitting around and women figuring out what they think about God. These are aided by, the Bible would say, spiritual enemies. So again, this is an aspect of what we're dealing with in our own minds when we have people saying, well, what about Buddhism, Islam? What about the Sikhs? What about these other religious systems? I mean, we've got to realize that the options on the shelf when you look at potato chips, you'd say, well, that's no big deal, pick whatever one you want. But if you're looking at canisters to, to go diving with, to breathe in, the, those become insidious options if there's only one that works. And the more you have, the more options you have with great paint and good fonts and you know calligraphy on the side of it, it becomes now a, a spiritual battle. And you need to know that going in.